Hello, and welcome to Your Courageous Journey. This is Julie Faber. And this is Julie Sickles. And this is our mind moment from Michelle's episode. I absolutely loved talking to Michelle. I love talking to everybody. Yes, but Michelle <laughs> was very different because you can tell she's just been very organized about this whole thing. She came prepared and I just I learned so much from her and yeah. it was really, really cool. And she has a lot mm-hmm. of experience sharing her story. That was one thing that really impressed me is that mm-hmm. she has been so open. And I think because of all that experience, she she does it in a, yeah, a very logical yeah. way. That's easy to understand and very useful, very helpful. A lot of really good information. So Julie and I listened to the whole thing and there is a a lot of things that we could touch on, but we decided to talk about therapy. Michelle brought up how she makes therapy the most effective for her and had a lot of really good points on that. So we wanted to talk more about that today. Yeah. And I think I'd like to start off just talking about how to find a good therapist. Because that's kind of the starting place, right? Like, if you've decided, hey, I have this emotional issue, or there's this stuff going on in my relationship, and I'm not sure what to do, right? Like, I've maybe read some books and tried some stuff, and it's mm-hmm. not not really changing. How do you go about finding a therapist is kind of a good first step. And Michelle actually brought this point up during our discussion with her as well. The most important factor to look at and to consider when you're looking for a therapist is finding someone that you feel comfortable with, that you feel like you can trust and really open up with. That's going to be the number one factor. But like how you find a therapist, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. I think word of mouth is a great way to find a therapist. So talking to maybe the people that you're close to that live near you to find out if they have a great therapist that they're working with that they really love or would recommend or if they've heard of one. Yeah, that's kind of how I found mine is just talking to other people. Another thing to consider is that therapists specialize in different things. It's like going to a doctor, right? If you have an ear problem, you're not going to go to a foot doctor, (laughs) right? you know? Um, yeah, but it can be really difficult, maybe recognizing exactly what your problem is. So you might go through a, a few different therapists before mm-hmm. you find the the fit that's right, right for fit. you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a lot of people will start. Um, there's a couple of online resources, right? If you just don't know anyone or don't feel comfortable talking with people to get recommendations. Uh, There's a great, great resource online called Psychology Today, which nowadays most therapists will use. And it's just a directory listing. And so you can search for a therapist in a specific area, but you can also filter for all kinds of things. So you can Mm -hmm. filter for your insurance. You can filter for specific issues that you're working on. You can filter for specific type of therapist that works with or has training in a specific type of therapy. Because that's true. Sometimes you just know you're struggling and you don't want to struggle anymore and you don't really know what the problem is or you don't know what type of therapy will help you because there's a lot of different types of therapy. If you're not in the therapy world, you're not going to be aware of what CBT is or EMDR. 
what those encompass or what those do or what problems those treat. So just starting off with a therapist is great. Some people also will go to their insurance provider's website and look under their insurance to see who their preferred providers are. So you can look them up that way, but it is it really can be helpful to find a therapist who works with the type of issues. Therapists oftentimes will specialize in specific areas or utilize certain types of treatment. So you can try to find a fit that way, but I would just caution that them having the right type of training in, the, in a specific therapy is not as important as finding that personality fit. Mm -hmm. And finding that personality fit is tricky. And just like you said earlier, Julie, you might have to go through mm -hmm. three or four therapists before you really find one that you really click with. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of magical, like <laughs> non-scientific thing, right. right? Like that feeling of trust and confidence is there or it's mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. And you don't know when it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Just this past year, I found a therapist. There was a specific type of therapy that I'm learning about called IFS, which I really love. And so I decided that I wanted to do my own personal therapy with an IFS therapist. So I went to the IFS directory and found a therapist who'd been certified in IFS. What it, real and, quick, what is IFS? Um, it stands for Internal Family Systems. Okay. Yeah. And so I found a therapist that was uh, certified as a level two IFS therapist mm -hmm. and went in to see her. And I think she was just a little bit nervous because I think it's sometimes hard to be a therapist to a therapist. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> kind of intimidating. Yeah. And I've been a therapist now for 20 years, which I think is even more intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um and we kind of talked about it a little bit um, in that beginning session. And she's like, I kind of feel like I'm a baby therapist, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> compar comparatively. Mm -hmm. But she has the, the training that I was looking for. But even more than that, there is this thing that you can't really put your finger on or, or even label or name that I feel really good and comfortable meeting with her. And sometimes I have issues with trust. <laughs> so it's good. It's good that <laughs> I feel that thing that it I is can't very even good. Really label. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay to shop around for a therapist. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I offer a consultation phone call. Mm -hmm. I offer like a free 15 to 20 minute phone call because you, you in that 15 minutes, you really can't get a flavor for both of you. And if you'd be good to work with and yeah that's um, true you know i've had situations in the past before i did that where i had i remember in particular a couple came in and um they did not get my humor <laughs> that sucks <laughs> they like i would i would say something that i thought was funny and they would like stare at me blankly it was so it was it was one of the most awkward maybe therapy sessions i've ever had yeah, in my life good. And they would, they just literally stared at me. And I think we both realized by the end of that hour that it wasn't we were not going to work together. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Because humor is a is something that's really important to me that I feel like is a very therapeutic tool. And mm -hmm. if I can't utilize that, it's like it's like tying my hands behind my back, and <laughs> right? Write something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I I'm gonna really struggle with that. 
right? I think, <laughs> like, maybe some people just don't really know what to expect from therapy. I think, Yeah. I don't know, sometimes movies and shows maybe give this idea that might not be exactly accurate, you know, Absolutely. or, you know, maybe they expect that you're going to fix them in one Yes. session or a couple Yes. sessions and everything's going to be fine. And then they can just go back to life as usual. <laughs> and so maybe they just weren't expecting that they could laugh Like they and don't know what to expect or yeah, yeah. maybe, <laughs> I don't Yeah, know. it's true. And, and it is something that I think is good to address very early on in therapy, right? In the first few sessions to, if you're looking for a therapist to ask specifically questions like, what can I expect? Like, this is what I would like to have happen. And, Yeah. and how, re like, how much time do you think that might take? And how realistic is Mm is this expectation because hmm you're Yeah. right like we do get expectations through the media and Mm-hmm. what and what people are looking for is different too so being able to express and vocalize and communicate those expectations you can find out if you're both on the same page um some people go into therapy because they just want to have a place to like vent and kind of get stuff off their shoulder that they don't feel like maybe it would be appropriate
be able to speak up mm-hmm. because sometimes therapists will follow your lead. And if they don't know that you want more, then they don't provide it. Or maybe mm-hmm. that's just their style. That's what they've been trained in. Mm-hmm. And that's how they do things. And it would be good to know that so that you know to look for a new therapist as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I do think for sure that being organized and being very specific with what you want to work on or what has come up for you that week. Um, or if you've been working on specific learning, specific tools, you know, making sure that you're talking about what you're working on and how you're working on it and how it's going and how you're feeling about it. You definitely can get a lot more, a lot quicker mm-hmm. when you are organized in that yeah. way, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I keep a notebook in my office in a drawer and let my clients know if, if um, you want to take notes, there's always a notebook and a pen in that drawer. And uh, I have a lot of clients who have their own notebook that they bring, but sometimes they'll forget it and then they can write it down. And it's like a yellow legal pad. And then they will put that paper inside their journal when they get home. But it definitely can be very helpful to stay organized. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) It definitely is for me because I have that ADHD brain and I forget if I don't write things down and things like that. So. I for really quick wanted to say something that I really liked when I have looked for therapists in the past is um, ones that have their own website that tell about themselves or someplace where you can find like sometimes, you know, as Julie was mentioning earlier, that you can go to like a uh, your a insur- directory yeah oh. a directory maybe yeah. from your insurance or something oh, yeah sometimes mm-hmm. like it'll show a picture and it'll say hey this is my specialty and this is what I like to do you know just like it's almost kind of like a little like dating website sort yeah. of you know where it gives their picture yep. and it tells about them and whatever and I think that that's really important actually it would really be cool if doctor doctors did that too it would be yeah yeah Definitely. Yeah. And, and having their own website is great, but psychology today usually has a lot of that information as well. So it's a great resource. And most therapists these days are on there Mm -hmm. because it is such a common directory that Mm -hmm. is used very, very frequently. I think it's the most popular therapy directory. Yeah. I think that's cool. Also, one thing to keep in mind too, when it comes to therapy is you know, recognizing what it is you want. But if you're somebody who thinks you might need medication or you might want to try that route, just know Mm -hmm. that you need a psychiatrist for that. Or you, in order to be prescribed medication, you have to have a psychiatrist or a medical doctor prescribe things that, you know, just a marriage and family therapist or... Yeah, just a regular therapist doesn't prescribe medication. Um, although here in Utah and every state might be a little bit different how they do it. Um, there are psychiatric nurse practitioners who have training like psychiatrists do who can prescribe medication as well. So they're a really great resource because psychiatrists, there's just not enough of them and it can be really hard, um, to get in to see them, um, like, can take four months, which mm-hmm. is sometimes way too long. So yes, medical doctors can prescribe if it's for more serious mental health concern. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a great long-term option. If it's pretty basic and the medication is helpful, it's you can just go to your regular medical doctor 
and get prescriptions. But you're right. Uh, you're a therapist with a master's degree is not licensed to prescribe medication. So they can recommend for you to meet with a doctor to get medication, but they're not going to tell you what medication mm -hmm. you should be taking. They're not going to be able to give you a prescription. And that is really good information to know that if you need medication and therapy, you can work with both together. And doctors and therapists oftentimes will talk together in order to help support a patient or a client who is on medication. Cool. So, yeah, very good point, Julie. Okay. Yeah. So this, as far as finding a therapist, I think those are good places, resources to, to start. So I have a question for you, Julie. Yeah. What kind of things do you think might be a sign that your therapist isn't working? I mean, you talked about, you know, the personality thing and you had the clients that came in and just didn't get your sense of humor. So, you know, that's one thing. But what else do you think might be a sign that you need to look elsewhere? If you're feeling or questioning why you're going to that person, right? If you're like, I'm not even sure what this is doing for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good sign. The first step would be to talk to your therapist and to mm -hmm. express those concerns. Because once again, like we talked about before, if you're having expectations and your therapist doesn't know that, then they can't really meet mm -hmm. those expectations. So having a conversation and seeing what you both think about it can kind of give you an idea of, oh, maybe they just didn't know and they can work on that. Or maybe it's like, oh, yeah, I don't think I'm comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. or I don't think that that's going to be helpful. I'm not going to be willing to do that. Then you know to look for another therapist. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, yeah, I would say if you're feeling like you're not wanting to open up or talk about something, or if you feel like <clears throat> you want to hide certain things that might not be the perfect fit for you, <clears throat> Um I think that if you're feeling frustrated or if your therapist does or says something that really makes you feel disconnected. Mm -hmm. And once again, I think when that first happens, it's not a bad idea to address it with them first. I mean, unless it's just really blatantly not okay with you. Yeah. Um, it's a good idea just to address it, right? And right. just say... You know, I, I felt this way when you said this. It made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Or this didn't feel helpful. It just really made me, like, question myself more mm -hmm. and not really in a good way. Right. Yeah. So it's good to sometimes question ourselves. But sometimes we can get really stuck mm -hmm. in our own head and in our own thoughts. So mm -hmm. sometimes just being able to communicate and work through those issues with our therapist is really good. Especially if we didn't maybe learn good conflict resolution skills. A therapist can be a great person to learn those mm -hmm. skills and get more comfortable with um, talking through difficult stuff. Yeah. Um, but if we've tried to address it and talk about it and things are kind of continuing down that road, mm -hmm. then I think it's a really good idea to just look for someone with a better fit. Right. I like what you said about feeling like you needed to hide something because therapy is supposed to be a safe space. Yes. And that doesn't mean you don't, you're not necessarily hesitant to share things because sometimes mm -hmm. it's painful. 
Right. Right. To share things that have been really hard or things that we are maybe embarrassed or ashamed about. But I think there's a difference between like feeling like you have to look good for your therapist, <laughs> right? Yeah. And being able to be real mm-hmm. with your therapist and where you're at. Yeah. And when you are able to be real and vulnerable, then you're able to connect and really work towards those things that you want. That's true. I think the more that you can share with your therapist, the more thorough they're going to be able to be with you. And I think the better help you'll get and the more help you'll get. Right. And it's not like you have to share every single detail of your life. But if there's really relevant information that you're withholding for some reason, and you feel like it's more because of the dynamics of your relationship with that person, then it needs to be addressed. Right. Right. If it's just because of you and you don't feel like you want to share that with anyone ever, (laughs) (laughs) then... You should probably still share it with that person. (laughs) I mean, you should, because anytime you're going to withhold things, you know, that just, I don't know, it doesn't help you. But yeah, I can like share experience with me. And this is just speaking more generally. When I go talk to my therapist, sometimes we talk about, because I've I've said I have PTSD and it's kind of a weird thing it's actually a very weird thing and sometimes we'll go in and try and figure out you know new triggers or something like that and it actually really can help like if I were to share something that triggered me today it can help me in the future for things that happen in a similar circumstance you know when we sit there and work it out and figure out okay well this is why that happened And so, you know, there's a lot of things around it. You can get, or at least I get coping mechanisms for that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the more you can share, then, yeah, just the better help you'll be able to get and to move forward and have healing and understand more what makes you tick and that kind of thing. Well, and when you do have those things that are hard to share and you have someone that you trust that is empathetic and non-judgmental, sharing those things in that atmosphere in and of itself helps facilitate healing, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's a, it's almost like there's this burden that you're carrying around in your body and you're able to set it down for a moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes venting is just the best thing, too. Yeah, I, I feel like we need to learn how to vent <laughs> yeah. in healthy ways a lot more. I think that would be a great yeah. a great thing for everybody. We don't we don't necessarily teach that well in like no. school and so no. forth. I think mental health is kind of on this like back burner, I guess. I mean, I took a psychology class in high school, but that was like more abnormal psych <laughs> where you like yeah. hear about all the, you know, the craziest of the crazy stories, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. That's just not common. Like mental health is not something that is 
addressed a lot. I think it's getting a lot better, though. You know, yeah. for all of the issues that social media really does cause <laughs> with <Right>. mental health, <laughs> yeah. which it does cause problems, there is also the benefits that come from it. And I think awareness of mental health challenges and really destigmatizing mental health issues mm -hmm. has been really, really a great thing for this generation of kids coming up. Yeah. I think they're much more likely to reach out for help and not just feel like, well, there's something wrong with me. I should just try and hide it and pretend to be normal. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they feel free to, to share. Yeah. Like I have panic attacks or mm -hmm. I struggle with depression. And once again, it's a mixed bag too, right? Like <laughs> there's also a phenomenon on TikTok where people are sharing about Tourette's syndrome and it's, it can be a little bit um, contagious and <laughs> there's a little oh, bit yeah. of Tourette's <laughs> contagion that, mm. that um, has happened. So you have to kind of be careful, right? Like what you really immerse yourself in can really influence you both consciously and unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So Think I it, think it's good to utilize some of these platforms to bring more awareness and more normalization to mm -hmm. people's struggles right. and what we can do about them. Mm -hmm. Right. When we, you and I were growing up, Julie, people didn't talk about mental health no, it at was all. A suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes you heard about people having depression. But I would no. say you didn't hear much about anxiety and you didn't hear much about any of the other issues either. Yeah, for me, um, the general mentality was like, if you had mental health issues, there was something wrong with like severely wrong with you. Right. You know, right. And kind know. of like severe, like schizophrenia, right? That's that was yeah, kind basically of, you're crazy. If, yeah. Right. If you heard the term, you know, mentally ill, the image would be, you know, unfortunately at that time, because of the changes in the law with mental health mm -hmm. hospitals, there were a lot of homeless people on the street who would talk to themselves. And mm -hmm. that's kind of what you thought of when you heard of mental <laughs> health I issues. laugh at that because I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> so... <laughs> um. I don't know. I think there's a difference between talking to yourself and, you know, somebody with a, a mental health issue where they're talking to somebody who's not there. There's a difference. Right. You know. It, yeah, definitely. But, definitely. Um, but mental health, you know, we use this book called the DSM and it's, I don't know, four inches thick. Yeah. And it's, there's so many different ways that people is, can struggle. Mm -hmm. It's not just anxiety or depression or the other end of the spectrum of people who who have psychotic symptoms. Right. Um, well, I think full range of other issues. Yeah. Anxiety and depression seem to be very rampant. Like, yes, they're very, very common right now. Yeah. And they are anxieties on the rise. Mm -hmm. That's so unfortunate. And I personally think this is me without any training. This is just my observation and my opinion on my own observation is that we have a lot of these anxiety, panic attack, you know, depression issues because people don't understand how to properly deal with emotions. Yes. 
there's a lot of factors that go into it and i think people don't know how to deal with emotions people don't know how to deal with conflict um i think that we're more disconnected now um because of of social media (laughs) i think that's one factor yes i yeah the the research that is the research that is coming out about social media is not positive it's um it has not been created to be beneficial to us it's uh, you know, AI is and algorithms are really driving the advertising that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, the social comparisons that go on. Our brains aren't really set up to handle that. Mm-hmm. You know what I think social media is good for is to promote a business. <laughs> it is good for that. I am on you know, Facebook. Like, <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, I I personally haven't really seen any benefits whatsoever. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I enjoy being able to, you know, see from a distance what my elementary school friend has been up to, right, for the last... Yeah, it's kind of fun to watch, to look at pictures years. and stuff. Yeah. But you're not yeah, also but... on there making comments about how fat they are or, you know, yeah. how terrible their hair is or you know things like that like you are a safe person but -hmm. there's a lot of unsafe people out there who want to be mean just to be mean i know and don't really want to offer you help they just want to break you down it's true it's true and social media really is set up to be very addictive Mm -hmm. to our for our brains so there's all kinds of issues right there's there's the the trolls online that we have to deal with, and we have the the comparisons where everyone looks perfect on social media, and then we think we're not living up. I think, mm-hmm. um, especially teen girls, the research is showing they are very vulnerable to the negative effects of social media, and I think mm-hmm. we need to be protecting them and helping them to protect their image, their you know the their body image, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and protecting their brain from the effects of social media. Having teen daughters myself, you can yeah. ask my kids. I am very, um, very protective yeah. when it comes to these things. We could have a whole nother episode just on social media. <laughs> <laughs> that we is true. We could probably have many episodes on it. But... It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's a mixed bag. It like is. I said, I think... It's been great for helping to normalize Mm -hmm. that people struggle and struggle in different ways and that that's okay and that it's okay to get help. There's a lot of different ways to get help and Mm -hmm. and just learning different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I do really love that about social media. So it's Mm -hmm. not all bad, but I think there are some things that maybe need to get fixed as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So there's a phrase that people had said to me when I was really, really struggling when I first you know, Julie, you told me that I probably have PTSD and I, it was a huge struggle then. Um, that my real good friends, people who I could trust would tell me, you know what? It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you should not be okay for the rest of your life. You know, definitely yeah. find ways to get better and to feel better. I think we, we should be happy. I think that's our general pursuit in life is to be happy. And yes. I was just going to say, and and we have to work towards that if we want to be happy. It doesn't That's just true. fall on our lap. Yeah. I think the point is get help, but it is okay that you're in this place. Like, you don't need to hide. Mm-hmm. It's okay to get help. 
it's okay to talk about it. And yeah, because it, it just goes mm -hmm. back to that whole, the old way of thinking for a lot of people was don't talk about it. Pretend it's not there, you know, stuff it down. It'll just go away. <laughs> It'll take care of yeah. itself. And yeah. it doesn't, it really doesn't. It doesn't. Well, and therapy doesn't have to just be for people who have mental health issues either. It can also okay. be for people who just want to grow or improve or mm -hmm. understand things better at a deeper mm -hmm. level. You know, some of my favorite clients are ones that don't have a specific mental health issue. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And and I guess that kind of goes into like, what is therapy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I think every therapist maybe would answer that question a little bit differently. Um, for me, I I kind of think of therapy as I'm just a professional problem solver that I have made it my job to try and learn and understand about emotions and relationships mm -hmm. and mental health and addiction issues so that when people get stuck, I can help them to overcome those hurdles and move forward in their life mm -hmm. to create what they want. Yeah, I think that's really really cool um <laughs> one thing that i have heard a lot from people i mean like how frequently is it julie that people you know, make new year's resolutions and how long do they stick with it yeah you know i think the cool thing about therapy is is you know these people the professionals have really like done a deep dive into our brains and how it works and everything and so you kind of got to beat your brain, right? Like you have yeah. to, in order to reach your goals, because our brains like the same, our brains are set up for survival. And yep. once you figure out how to just survive, your bra our brains are great. It's good. This is fine. <laughs> you know, this is good enough. Right yeah, now. exactly. You're alive. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. You're alive. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, that's not our purpose. Like we aren't here just to survive. You know, we're not amoebas. <laughs> and so like we, we really, I don't know, at least for me, I like the growth. It feels really good. It does. It does. And to have someone on your team, mm -hmm. their help supporting you, but also helping you to see where that self-sabotage happens because mm -hmm. you're, because we have that kind of survival mm -hmm. mentality in our unconscious mind. Um, we might be sabotaging our own goals of where we think we want to get to, mm -hmm. and we might not see it at all. Mm -hmm. Well, and then one thing specifically too, like going back to the PTSD thing is um, our brains are really hanging on to that, you know, because it's like, well, we need to store this information for our survival because that was something that almost killed us. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we hang on to this. This is important information. But one thing that therapy does is no, it's okay to, you know, get rid of that file. Yes. We don't, we don't need that anymore. We're good. We've we processed it. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Go not, through the it doesn't shredder. Need to be constantly in our mind anymore. Yep. Always yep. affecting us. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's so helpful <laughs> to be able to, to yeah. teach your mind how to put the past stuff in the past so mm -hmm. it's not continuing to come up and to trigger you mm -hmm. and you don't have to have ptsd 
for that process to occur, just like when we talked about trauma memory. Yeah. It's that is something that we as humans, that's the way our mind files information when we're mm-hmm. when we're really emotional. Mm-hmm. And well, it's hard to let go of. And we don't right. even always recognize when it's coming back up and affecting us in the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've talked about this in one other episode, but I kind of wanted to just go over one quick example of how easy it can be to let some of this stuff go. And I know okay. there's one, Julie, that you liked a lot. It was, what did you call it? Slay Your Dragons or something? Yeah. Yeah. And you just, you write down the crap that happened. Just like, let's just say you take a day. You know, you had a rough day or something. You take the day, you write it all down. Actually, Julie, I'm going to let you explain it because you practiced it a lot more than I did. <laughs> yes. I love Slay Your Dragon. Or I also call it Write and Burn. That's another way to refer to it. And so I get out a piece of paper and then I just write, I am feeling... And then I write like the emotion or emotions that I experienced Mm -hmm. and then about, and then I just write. And I kind of the way you think about it is I'm, I'm getting all that yuck feeling inside Mm -hmm. all that stuckness and I'm pulling it up and bringing it out of me and I'm getting it onto the paper Mm -hmm. because our emotions feel very intangible, right? We can't see them. We can't touch them. Um, but our emotions are real. They're real things in our body. So when we can get it out on paper, it's like we're able to make that emotion tangible. Mm-hmm. We can now see it. We can touch it. If we want to, we could taste it, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a paper. Yeah. And so your mind is like, oh, in a way, it's almost self-validation. Like, oh, this is real. Like I see what it is you're experiencing. And like mm-hmm. we talked about before, sometimes just venting and getting stuff out can be very helpful. But I think the second step is really, really important as well, which is to, once you get all of that yuck out on paper that your mind can see, you want to destroy it. You want to show your unconscious mind, this no longer exists anymore. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And that really does help put things into like the past category in our mind where mm-hmm. our mind can be like okay this is done and it's yeah been process it's good yeah yeah it's hard i think our minds can really hold on to a whole lot of stuff until we can kind of train them mm-hmm. how to put the past into the past and be done mm-hmm. i think that's really good i like all of this i think it's really important I don't know if this is the correct way to phrase it. If maybe you have a better way, Julie, you can tell me, but I really want to like normalize having healthy, healthy minds, normalize therapy. Like it's just, it's, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm I, just... but I also want to say they're just like any profession. There's good therapists, there's mm-hmm. bad therapists, and there's mediocre therapists. Yeah. <laughs> so therapy is a good thing, but also therapy can be a really bad thing. If you, I if you have the wrong person. Had really kind of traumatic yeah. experiences from their therapist. And so I want to validate anyone who has had that experience as well, that it's not always a wonderful thing. But it really, in the right situation and in the right circumstances, can be a wonderful thing and a very, very helpful thing 
as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I hope people who have had traumatic experiences from therapy will keep trying. Me too. Me too. And sometimes it's not traumatic. It just isn't helpful. I've heard of a lot of people who, like, when they were a teenager, their parents are like, I don't know what to do with you. I'm going to put you in therapy. And then the kid is like, oh, they're just trying to fix me. And they get nothing out of it. A lot of people who, when they had therapy as teens, they're like, I didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. Um. But if you only have that one experience, mm-hmm. right, like, let's not base our whole life on that one experience. Yeah. There are a lot of different therapists with a lot of different personalities, with a lot of different mm-hmm. methods. Yep. And maybe we just need to find the right one for you, right? Some people maybe would do better with music therapy or art therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, other, th- other people, maybe they really need a very trauma-focused therapy like EMDR or hypnotherapy you know it really depends on what you are needing and looking for but also your personality and and kind of the way you want things to work and Mm -hmm. there let me tell you there are so many different types of therapy out there so if you've tried it one or two or three or four or ten times and it didn't work Mm -hmm. maybe we just need to be a little more creative and find something totally different Right. There's equine therapy where they do therapy with horses. horses. Yeah. Right? Like, they, there's some really cool ways to be able to work with your mind and to help you mm-hmm. to learn and grow. Um, and if you haven't found one that works, that just means it's time to keep looking. Right. Yeah, I've had experiences with people who have gone to one therapist one time, maybe two times. They're like, nah, this isn't for me. Yeah. The one thing to be said about brains, too, is if you already have it decided in your mind that it's not for you, you're going to find reasons why it's not for you. Yep. That is very true. So, um, I don't know. I think just try to be open-minded. Give it a real, a real shot. Because I personally think everybody needs therapy. Like, the world's <laughs> crazy. And, like, we're, there's We're dealing so many... with a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. and it's from from every direction and so yeah. a lot of good information um yeah michelle was awesome yes. it's awesome talking yes. to her was awesome talking to her was awesome and i yeah i love her spirit of wanting to help and give back mm-hmm. the time that she takes with yeah. her blog and the other work that she does um, just because she wants to help and support other people and help their journey to be a little bit easier and just the way her mind works and how she organizes things is amazing mm-hmm. and so helpful. I found myself wanting to I know. take notes and <laughs> I know. it was and, right. Yeah. I'm at the beginning stages of where she's been, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's got the organization down. I learned a lot from her. It was it was a life-changing experience for me. I mean, this whole podcast is. Don't get me wrong. I love everybody we talk to. I everybody has offered me valuable information. Um I just haven't experienced yet somebody being as organized as she is because she has been dealing with it for decades. Yeah. And so and she does. She has a blog and she's very organized. And, you know, we jumped, we jumped into the conversation and 
I think we were kind of, we kind of left it a bit open-ended. We were like, well, tell us a bit about you. And she just jumped right into what she wanted to talk about. I was like, oh, she's, she's ready. <laughs> she knows. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it was very good. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that there's much else to say. Hers was very easy to follow. Yes. Um, I know. If you... I, I know. We don't have to really add a lot. Her personal yeah. experiences and knowledge that she's gained stands for itself and is just extraordinarily powerful. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add, Jewel? I am good. I think I'm good, too. Yeah. Again, you can reach us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions... Please don't hesitate to ask. We will see y'all next time. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>